huge weekend because it's not snowing outside. Right? That's awesome. We're like 45 degrees finally. Thank you, Lord. Right? Awesome for that. It's March Madness weekend. You got to be excited about that. If you love to watch a little basketball, you got that all over the place. In fact, my wife is like first in the brackets in our family, and I think you're second in the staff now, so she's rocking it. I asked her specifically, what's your plan? And she's like, I just pick teams. I don't even know. Sometimes I go with the seeds. Sometimes I just say, forget it. And she goes with something else. I'm like, that's not reproducible. She's like, I couldn't care less, right? <laughs> so some of you love March Madness. Some of you join in just to be along with others. Some of you couldn't care less, right? And uh, actually, this is another big weekend for us. Uh, actually, this Tuesday is uh, 25 years for me and my wife. 25 years, so praise God for that. Yeah, and uh, excited to be going after celebrating that. We'll be taking a little time off the week after and, and uh, getting after life together, but 25 years together, and praise God for the blessing you've poured into our home. Uh, Jana, I love you and appreciate you, and praise God for all he's done in blessing us with fam, and I love you guys. So, love what God's doing in the place, man. We are in a series called Relentless love, relentless love. And we are pouring through this series on trying to understand God in the wholeness of what he does in our lives, his message and how he can call us to be a messenger of that message of love. And we've been walking through the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, we learned a ton about how God has this message set up and that this message is about him reaching out to us, that God cares. Jonah was a prophet who was sent into Nineveh, right, 550 miles away. It was a rebellious, horrific, vicious crew of people. And Jonah was sent to bring salvation message to them. Didn't want to do it, went another way, in fact. Ran away from it. God ends up saying, yeah, that's not the plan. Has a fish end up swallowing him. He's basically in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. Three days and three nights, and God ends up delivering him back up safe on land. And says, okay, now let's do that Nineveh thing. Jonah goes after it, now fully obedient, and he takes the message of the hope of God Almighty to a group of people. And hear me, man, God moved like you would not believe. 120,000 people plus are like, all right, we're wrong. It's time to put my life into the hands of God. And salvation was all over that city and it spread throughout the nation of Assyria. God had a plan. Everybody say, God had a plan. And it was a huge plan of salvation. And so what do we do with the story of Jonah today? What does that mean for us? How does it apply to our lives? And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. What is the message for us coming out of the book of Jonah? Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 38. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 38. We're going to talk a little bit about the call that is on our lives. Point number one, believe. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead and allow him to be in charge of your life. Believe. And the biggest call that we have on us is to understand and grasp Jesus Christ in this world. Sometimes in this broken world, you might be going through a world of heartache walking in this morning. But man, we are here this morning to hear this. We must grasp that Jesus Christ is our hope. And all of God's people said, 
believe. So let's just start in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. And it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So if you're wondering how this passage connects into what we've been in, there you go, right? And let's jump back to the beginning. It says, then the, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, all right, the scribes and Pharisees, these are the leaders in the Jewish community. Quite frankly, they did not want to follow Jesus. They were always looking to trap him. And so when they're asking a question, this is a setup. Right? This isn't where they really want to be. And we actually see it confirmed in what they ask. It says, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Like, hey, Jesus, if you're so awesome, why don't you wow us with a little bit of what you can do then right now? Why don't you do that? Right? And so they tried to say it as respectfully as possible. They start out with the word teacher. That's rabbi. You probably heard that word before, right? And they're, they're calling him out. Hey, teacher, why don't you go ahead and show us a sign? You got to picture them as they're saying it. Why don't you show us a sign? Watch this. Can't do it. Watch. All right. They're challenging him to show him something. Here's the catch, though. Jesus has already stood on the front of a boat and cried out, Be still! And the storm stopped. Put the disciples in awe. And as the disciples' jaws dropped, they were like, who is this guy? That already happened. The word on that is already ripping. As they said, teacher, give us a sign. There's already been a storm calmed. He's already healed of leprosy. He's talked to someone who's had their skin corrupted. That lasts for life. He speaks to them and it's done. Leprosy gone. Blindness gone. Muteness, inability to speak, healed. He has cast out demons. He has even raised someone from the dead by now. Jesus Christ has rocked the place and people are following the God who has it in hand, Jesus Christ. And they're like, hey, why don't you give us a sign or something? You mean like all that I've already done? would have been a very fair answer from Jesus. Man, our God has control of the universe. And all of God's people said, our God can heal in an instant. Jesus Christ. He's crying out for a sign here as they ask, why? Well, I just put some words down. They're probably looking for something more like the spectacular, the sensational, the supernatural, well, how is all of what he's already done not that? Probably even the celestial. Like, why don't you make the stars and the moon and the sun begin to speak to your greatness? Because we all know that the Messiah is going to be confirmed by the celestial heavens and some things that go on. If you're taken over, where's your signs? And, uh, this is a pretty hard call out. Jesus has a pretty hard call out back. So he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. 
Like all you're looking for is to be wowed. All you're looking for is the next thing that gets your attention. Evil and adulterous. Like you continue to do wrong. Adulterous. You're unfaithful to God. He's calling out their sin. He's like, man, it's all about your sin and your selfishness. You just want to live life for you. You're making it all about you and how you want to go after things. You're in the feel-good plan. And for some of them, you're in the legalism plan and the self-righteousness plan. Like their sin may have even been that they tried to live it so clean in front of other people that when anybody compared to them, they're like, man, I'm not as good as you. And they were trying to count on their goodness to bring salvation. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. Dude, our goodness will never be good enough to bring salvation. He's like an evil and adulterous generation while you're living for yourself, so you just seek for signs to wow you. He said, but there is no sign to be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. No sign except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now they would have known who Jonah was, and now as we've gone through it for four straight weeks, we know Jonah was a prophet who ended up running away from God, got swallowed by a fish. He was in the belly three days and three nights. He ended up coming back. He declared out to them, man, it's time to get it square with God. Repent or else. That was the message from Jonah. And he's like, I'm just telling you the only sign you'll get is the same sign as from the prophet Jonah. And then Jesus describes it a little bit. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the body of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in this fish, so the Son of Man, everybody say, that's Jesus. So Jesus will be in the heart of the earth, meaning buried, died and buried for three days and three nights, it says here in the heart of the earth. And uh, just to make sure we're really clear, as he compares himself back to Jonah, a couple of things he's making the point on with this three days and three nights. First, it's the duration. You're seeing this match up in time. Like Jonah was three days, so I'm gonna be three days. And, but more than that, Jonah was in this fish being prepared. There was a preparation taking place of his heart. And so as Jesus was three days in the grave, there was a preparing of the message that was to come. There was a getting ready for what was to come. And after the three days and after the preparation, there was a massive call out for repentance. Jonah calling out to Nineveh, Jesus calling out to the world. Come to me. I have the answer, and I've got it all resolved. I've lived a perfect life, and I've died, and I've risen for you. Trust in me, Jesus Christ. He brings the message of Jonah. There is a cost for not repenting and coming to Jesus, and there is great privilege in responding and coming to Jesus. May we trust in him. Now, you may be looking at it and say, three days and three nights, hang on. I thought it was like Friday, Jesus 
died on Friday, and then there was Saturday, and then there was Sunday, but it was Sunday morning. So where's the third night? It was Friday night, Saturday night. Where's the third night? So I looked up a, a little bit of detail on it, and uh, just to be able to answer that question a little bit more specifically, and uh, here's what I found, the bottom line. Uh, the Jewish thought is the thought we have to have. See, we're a little bit too Western-minded. Like, if you want, we always think of things in little compartments, and we try to add those up in their own little independent compartments, right? And so we get very Western. A Jewish mindset's very holistic. And so here is something they wrote in the Talmud. This is their Jewish rule. Uh, a day and a night makes one onah. And any part of an onah is as the whole. A day and a night is as one onah. And any part of that onah is as the whole. They treat a part as a whole. A holistic view of life, a holistic view of relationships, a holistic view of God in their world, and a holistic view of understanding even the day and the night. So as he steps up and says, there will be three days and three nights, he's saying, listen to me, man, it's going to end up touching at the minimum that's going to touch Friday evening, all of Saturday, and early Sunday morning. It might touch a lot more of Friday, it might touch a lot more of Sunday, but it's touching that much. At a minimum to satisfy this, has to be at least Friday evening, and then all Saturday, and then part of Sunday. And it turns out, that's exactly what it was. He's like, heads up, there's a sign coming. You want a sign? You're going to see it, man. And I'm telling you, get ready and open your eyes. Because the power of God will be unleashed in this world like you would not believe. Jesus Christ. And he is our hope. And he is the gospel message. He actually says here, as he moves beyond it, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. Uh, everybody say, those are the ones saved. Right? The men of Nineveh, they trusted, they got saved. The men of Nineveh, they were saved, and they will rise up with this generation. Everybody say, unsaved. He's like, with you, the adulterous, evil generation, the one who wants to make it all about themselves. And there's going to be a rising up of both. Did you know that? There's a rising up of both the saved and the unsaved. And everybody to give account. The saved being able to point to Jesus Christ as their hope. And the unsaved trying to point to themselves and say, hope it was good enough. And uh, Jesus is super clear. It's not. He says, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They listened to the message of repentance and responded. Jesus is putting the throw down. How about you? He says, behold... Something greater than Jonah is here. Everybody say, that's Jesus. He's like, please hear me. There is hope and there is salvation and it comes in me. And I am going to die and be buried for three days and then I am going to rise and there is life in me. Know this, man. Get ready and respond. To the hope that is Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news. You might be like, well, what's the best definition of the gospel? And uh, so you may want to write this down. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. 
is the best definition we can have of the gospel. Paul writes there, now we would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you. He ends up summarizing it, starting in verse 3, that Christ died. Everybody say, he died. Christ died for our sins. Purpose statement. He didn't just die. He died for your sin. He died to cover what you could not cover. He died to make sure that his blood could replace what you owe. His death, well, it covers your anger. It covers your hatred. It covers your lust, your coveting. It covers your drunkenness. It covers your getting high. It covers your language and the swearing. It covers sexual immorality. It covers every wrong thought and every wrong action that you've ever had. Know this, man. We have one hope of coverage, and it is Jesus Christ. We have one hope of him covering our sin, and it's leaning in him. It says, Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. Then it says that he also was buried. That's the second part. He was buried. He was placed into the heart of the earth. And then it says, and he was raised on the third day. Everybody say raised. Raised. Third day, third step. He died, he was buried, and he was raised. There is life in Jesus Christ. He was raised on the third day. Huge deal. And there's a fourth part to the gospel. It says, and then he appeared. And it goes on to a list. He appeared to Peter to the 12, to 500 others and more, and then to Paul. He appeared. Jesus is alive. Man, do you understand and agree that Jesus is risen from the dead? He died for your sins. He is alive. He is risen, and he is Savior. Man, are you willing to stop being done trying to make it all about self and hand it over to him? Are you ready to see your God as in charge? That is our hope, that we can admit that we are a sinner in need of a Savior, that we can believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and we can confess him as Lord. That's saved. Not counting on self in any way, but counting on Jesus Christ. Saved. So there was a man. He was on a boat. They were out in the sea. And the boat started getting tossed quite a bit. Pretty hefty boat, big size. He got thrown overboard. And as he hit the waves, he started getting dragged under. He was basically drowning. He was swimming for his life, trying to survive, trying to get up above water to get air. The people on the side of the boat that were with him, 
They were screaming out for help. They didn't know what to do. They were just shouting, somebody help. And, and all of a sudden, somebody came running over with a life preserver and threw it out. And as that life preserver spun out and hit in front of him, the guy was like, man, there's salvation in that. But please hear me. He was not yet saved. He needed to reach over and grab on, saved, to begin to believe and count on, to lean into and hold on to. And as they began to pull him in, he was saved. It is not enough to believe that something is true. We must commit and be in. Believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. He died for my sins and there is power in him. Believe, that's great. But that's not saved. We must also confess him as Lord. You take over. Reach out and grab onto that life preserver, pulling it into you and saying, you are my God and you're in charge. That alone is saved. Believing and counting and putting yourself in him and saying, God, you take over. And a simple question to you. Have you heard the message of Jesus Christ? Do you believe? And are you willing to trust him? Have you handed your sin over and said, God, I'm willing to confess right here and right now. I want to be saved. Have you put your life in his hands? Here's the deal. We're just going to take a little bit of time right now, right in the middle of the service right here. Let's just have everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. Man, have you responded to Jesus Christ? Have you handed your life over? Do you admit like, there's sin in my life, sin of attitudes and actions and words, and it needs to change? I'm wrong. Do you admit that? Do you believe that Jesus, there is power in his name, he died for you and he rose for you, your sins covered? Do you believe? Please hear me. That's not yet saved. Admit and believe that's great, but it's just a running start. Are you willing to say, God, you take over, you're in charge? That's saved. I'm done fighting. Lord, you take over in my life. Man, would you do that right here and right now? Just say, God, take my sin, I'm done battling. You know, we've already had several people saved throughout this series. Praise God for that. Man, is it time for you to put your life in Jesus' hands? You might be like, I don't even know what to say. And just repeat this prayer after me right where you are, handing it to him. Dear Father, just right where you are, quietly repeating to him, if you want to be saved and trust him, Dear Father, I admit 
I have sin in my life and I need it covered. I admit. I admit I am wrong. And I need you. I believe. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. I believe that. Just right where you are praying to him. I believe that. I'm in. And Lord, I'm grabbing that life preserver now. Take charge. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just everybody keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed right where you are. And if you're trusted Christ in this room, just be praying right now. Man, if you did trust Christ today, I would love to pray for you. If you just want to let me know, just raise your hand right where you are. If you trusted Christ, I would love to pray for you. Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. See that. And if you trusted Christ, amen, I see that hand. And God is moving in this place. Amen, amen, amen. See those hands. Amen. See your hand. Amen. And God is stirring right now. Amen. Amen. Man. And is there anybody else? Got your hand. If you've trusted Christ as Savior this morning, I don't want to run past you. Love to take a little bit of time right here. If you want to commit your life right now to Christ, now's the time. I'm in. Let me just pray here. Lord God, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of how you move. We are in awe of your message of relentless love. And now, Lord, I pray for each of these today who has trusted you as Savior. Lord, may you get all the glory. Father, we thank you for how you have stirred. And they are now admitting and believing and confessing, leaning on you. May you rock their world with the peace of your presence. May you stun them with your greatness. We love you, Lord. And we praise you. It is in the saving name of Jesus we pray these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Gotta love it, man. When God is moving in the place, there's no sweeter moment. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. uh, All right. First step is to believe. Clear enough? Right? Second step. uh, After belief and taking that public stand, be baptized. 
and take a public stand for your Savior. What a sweet moment of being able to lean on your God and say, I'm in. Baptism. It's a moment of taking that public stand and saying, I will make it all about him. And uh, please hear me. Baptism, super important that we grasp. It is the declaration that we are already saved. Everybody say already. Okay, already saved. We're super excited about that. That said, let's just turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 9, and we're going to walk through a couple of verses of a story of baptism here and make sure we learn a little bit about baptism. And, uh, when we're responding to the message of our God, at first it's recognizing that I've got to lean on Him, and then it's being willing to take a stand for Him in various ways, shapes, and forms, one of those being baptism, Right? So here we go, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9. It says, but there was a man named Simon. In fact, his nickname was Simon the Sorcerer. There was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city. Just so we're super clear, this means he was using demonic forces to do demonic things to try to wow people, okay? He was not connected to God. He was not connected to Jesus Christ. He was trying to make it all about himself, and he was willing to have demonic forces move the people so that they would be stunned by him. He was toying with something uh, that was very dangerous. Everybody say, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, I agree with that. Again, this would be a great place for that little moment to say, that's a bad idea, right? And uh, Simon, doing this sorcery stuff, this magic in the city, and it says, and he amazed the people of Samaria. The city that he was in was Samaria. It was actually the capital of Israel, the northern kingdom. And he was staying there and hanging out in that city, trying to get them to be amazed by him. Please notice it says, and he amazed the people of Samaria. It said, he was saying that he himself was somebody great. (laughs) All right. So top three ways you know somebody's not great. (laughs) I'm not even going to go through three. Number one, they say they are. All right, we're done. Self-proclamation, usually not the best moment, right? I'm awesome. You need to know that. I'm super stupendous. Come follow me, right? Look at me and all. That's not what we see our Lord doing. Jesus Christ walks in super humble. Jesus Christ, he lays it down in front of people and he's like, maybe you won't see it, maybe you will, but I'm telling you I am taking a stand for the throne of the kingdom of God forever. And he's not declaring himself to be the greatest. In fact, that's what kind of threw the Jews off. They were looking for a Messiah that would walk in and say, I'm awesome, now get in line. And that's not at all who God is and how he rolls. Humility, humility, humility. Simon's declaration, I am great, right? It says, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest. Have you heard that phrase before? Right, from Jonah, from the least to the greatest, they were listening to God. Here, these guys are listening to Simon and his demonic powers. It says, this man is the power of God and is called great. They were trying to ascribe the work of Simon to God. And they're like, the dude is awesome. Let's just call him great. Every leader truly following God must always and forever say, please, it is not about me. 
It is so about my God. And if you're going to use the name great, you use it about him. And all of God's people said, man, that is huge that we grasp that. Simon was actually kind of good with the title. He's like, I am great. Thank you for paying attention to what I've taught you. As he continued to try to wow them. I love this. Luke, as he's writing the book of Acts, now wants to make it super crystal clear how little and small Simon is and was. He says, Your man, this man was called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic, these powers from demonic forces. But when you read scripture, make sure you read really carefully. That word is massive. It should be in capital, all caps, fully bolded, 16-point font. But, everybody just say that really loud. Really huge deal. Simon's making this impact all over the city. But, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. He just lays it out. He doesn't even say what happened. When they believed Philip about the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ... They're walking around, and Philip is preaching, and he's like, yeah, whatever with that Simon stuff. There's a God. He has entered into this world. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for your sin. Three days he remained in the grave, and then he rose. There is life in him. There is power in him. There is salvation in him. And a man, man. And they began to bring it out. And all of a sudden, they're like, I'm kind of done with that guy. This is unbelievable. And they start moving over to Philip, and they're listening. They believed him, it says, and they believed his message about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized. They took a stand for Jesus, and so they took a stand for Jesus. They believed who Jesus Christ was, so they stepped up and said, okay, I'm in. May Christ get all the glory. And they took a stand for him in baptism. It says, both men and women. I love this now, just to make the point. Even Simon himself believed. There's a moment where Simon's doing the magic, drawing the attention. I'm awesome. And people are like, you are awesome. He's like, I know, right? And then they drift away over here and they start celebrating Jesus Christ. They're all getting baptized. He's losing his following. And he's like, what's going on over there? He goes over and he starts to hear it. And in the sovereignty of God, he cuts to the quick his heart and draws him across. And this one who was using demonic forces to draw attention to himself is done. And says, I'm in. And he believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. He believed and was baptized. First belief, then baptism. First belief, then baptism. You heard Pastor Mark say it in the announcements. When you've trusted Christ as Savior, then it's time to take that public stand and let people know. Standing with their God and saying, I admit and I believe and I confess and I'm in. Right? It says, after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. You hearing that? He was amazed. Like he was doing all the amazing of other people before. 
Now his jaw is dropped. And you've got to imagine, there's still, like, hey man, you know how it is. When we trust Christ as Savior and we are saved, there's still some facet of us that's got sin. We're still struggling with and God is removing it little by little. And so for those of you who trusted Christ today, please hear me. It's not that the next day I will never sin again. It's that as I start to move through it, God starts to make clear, we're going to work on that. Like, that's going to go slowly here. We're going to get, I'm going to start doing a work in. And, and we start seeing a transformation. It's literally, it says one degree at a time. And there is hope in Jesus Christ because on this side, we are not alone. And on the other side, he removes sin completely. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, and sin is managed. It is paid for in full by Jesus. It is removed step by step this side, and it is removed fully on the other side. And we have eternity with him without our sin. And Simon, the sorcerer, well, he came face to face with that power. And he began to see peace like he couldn't have explained before. He began to see healings like he had never seen before. He was in awe of these signs that were being shown by the early church as people were coming across to follow Jesus Christ. And he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. Amazed. And I'm telling you, if we walk with Jesus Christ, if we spend time with him, if we take a little time in his word daily, just digging, it doesn't mean much, Maybe it's just one bold heading to the next bold heading. Just a few verses where you're reading through it and you're saying, God, what's so awesome about you here? And we spend time worshiping him. It is amazing what God does in your life. Are you amazed by Jesus Christ? And I'm telling you, if the answer is, I'm not so much. Like if that's kind of the answer, it's time for us to learn, Lord, what sin needs to be set down. There's something in the way. Because our God is absolutely astounding. Lord, I'm ready to be blown away by you. What needs to go? May you get all the glory. Okay? Simon was amazed. I love it. He started out drawing attention to himself. It's almost like God knew exactly what he was doing. It's almost like God had a plan. And as he used this guy to rally everybody together so that they were all listening to him, Philip had one place to show up to make it clear who Jesus Christ was, and now everybody's following Jesus. Everybody say, God has a plan. plan. And I'm telling you, he knows exactly what he's doing. Do you believe Jesus Christ? Do you confess him as Lord? Are you letting him be in charge? Man, if you are saved, then baptism is for you. So have you been baptized? Have you actually put your life out there on the line and said, I'm following Jesus Christ. If you have trusted Christ and not since been baptized, next week is for you. We would love to partner with you, get you up here with us. There will be a pastor with and we'll walk through testimony with you and we'll be able to celebrate the life that God is doing in you, right? We would love to be a part of that with you. That's baptism. You might be like, dude, I got a ton of questions. And, uh, I would need a few of those answered before we move forward. And uh, good, let's answer a few of those, all right? So I'll go through the top few questions we get every single time, and this might answer your questions right where you are. First question, hey, I, 
I trusted Christ at another church. I mean, I believed there, and then I got baptized. Do I need to get baptized here at Harvest? Okay? And the answer is no. Right? We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do not baptize in the name of Harvest. And all of God's people said, right, this is not a cult. You are, not, you are not being introduced to the church. You are being introduced to Jesus Christ and then declaring your belief in him. And so if you have already been baptized and declared your following of Jesus, awesome. You're good. Okay, no, you don't need to be baptized. Uh, here's another question. I was sprinkled at the other church. I know you guys use this big stone thing and you do an immersion down into the water and come up out. And I had this thing where they kind of they used a little bit of water sprinkled on or poured on. And we would just say, that's great. Question might be, well, do I need to get baptized again? Uh, well, our answer is it doesn't matter how wet you get. Okay? We would not speak to the method or the mode in that as much as we would say, was it understandable what was going on? Was it clear that you were taking a stand for Jesus Christ and that's what that was all about? Then awesome, you're good, okay? And if you're like, I don't know, I think it was kind of muddy water. I don't think that was really clear. I, I think it was a little bit vague as to what I was taking a stand for and I want to make it clear that I'm standing for Jesus. Then come join us and get baptized next week, okay? Here's a third question. I was baptized as an infant. Should I get baptized now that I believe in Jesus? And we would say again, remember, first belief, then baptism. First belief, then baptism. So in this case, this baptism as an infant, that's great. It represented your family's position. They're longing for you to come to Christ. That's an awesome moment about your mom and your dad's commitment and what was going on there. But we would say, yeah, the baptism we see in the book of Acts is very clearly a standing up where people were like, I now believe, so I'm getting baptized. First belief, then baptism. So while the parents' baptism that they walked you through, that there's nothing wrong with that, that's awesome. And it's not speaking ill of it, but it's saying, that's great, that spoke of your faith. Now I want it to speak of my faith, so I'm gonna be getting baptized to speak to that. And by the way, if, if you have been baptized as an infant and you're considering baptism as an adult, that is a great phrase. So I'm going to walk through it one more time. This is a great way to process through it. There is nothing wrong with what my parents did. That is awesome, and I'm not trying to belittle it. But it speaks so strongly to your faith, mom and dad. I want this to speak to my faith. And so I'm declaring that I now believe. In fact, this is saying, look, what you've done and how you've raised me, it worked. And God has honored it and I'm following him. And I believe and so I'm taking a stand and getting baptized. Okay? That would be a quick answer to what if I was baptized as an infant? Should I get baptized here as an adult now that I believe? Answer, yes. Come join us next week for that, right? And we totally understand that this can be a very, very um, touchy conversation. And if you need to walk through that and you need some help walking through that, we as pastors are more than willing to do that. Feel free to give us a contact this week and we can talk that through, all right? And give some guidance to things. And um, here's another question. Hey, what's an appropriate age 
what's an appropriate age for baptism? We would tend to say because of the way we do it, Scripture isn't really strongly guiding this other than after belief and confession, right? But I would say because of the way we do it with a little bit of testimony in front of the body, it can be a little bit on the let's make sure we've got our words down. It can be a little intimidating. So we've tended to say seventh grade and up helps them to be able to process through things, okay? Seventh grade, there's a lot that happens when you go into those junior high years and the, the fears you face and the growing that happens. There's just a maturing that takes place and you know what you're standing for. We've had so many kids who got baptized at a young age that uh, have a hard time even remembering it or wish that they had waited just a little. So just a little guidance on that. We would probably suggest seventh grade and up, all right? That's kind of what we're thinking there. And uh, are you doing baptisms at all three services? Absolutely. 9, 11, and 4.30. In fact, we've got a 4.30 uh, baptism suite, and if you want to be baptized in front of a, a few smaller people and count, then you can do the 4.30 service, and we have that uh, available every time. And so uh, at the end here, we're going to give a chance for people to sign up for baptisms, and, and you can circle which service you'd like to be baptized at. But we are doing all three services, and uh, would love to see them all evenly balanced. Um, please notice how I said that. <laughs> and would love to see them all evenly balanced. Hey, we have 50 people getting baptized. They're all at the 4.30. We're not doing that, right? So we're going to ask people to kind of do the, if 9 and 11 are your services, try to do it here. But if 4.30 is where you want to be, then that's great. Then we can move to 4.30 with that, all right? So we'll be understanding. We'll be working with that together throughout the week. And uh, those are some of the basic questions we've gotten. It simply comes down to this. Do you admit you're a sinner? Just answer these questions right where you're at. Do you admit you're a sinner? You don't have to answer it out loud. I appreciate that. The guy next to you is like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? Do you believe that? Are you willing to lay yourself in his hands, him in charge, confess him as Lord? Are you saved? Have you been baptized since doing that? And if the answer is no, then now's the time. 